0: I accidentally started a wildfire in Grand Canyon. I was in a hurricane, a flood. I was in an explosion in a cave and I got left behind by a dive boat lost at sea. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of it either.
1: Karen Olson is a coach, a retreat leader, consultant, speaker, and writer. She mentors women who want to overcome their struggles to become confident, vibrant leaders. And because this is a podcast about facing your fears, Karen started this episode by telling us one of her own secrets. Being recorded has always been one of my like, it's my biggest bugaboo
0: in my whole life. So doing this with you, I love seeing your friendly faces here and um, I love the tone that we're doing and I just needed to say it out loud so now I can just like get past it and we can just tell stories. Okay. Why, (laughs) what does recording, what what fear does that bring up? Oh my God, I have a lifetime of absolute sheer terror that I'm going to say the wrong thing or um, or be perceived as, you know, something that I'm not.
1: You're brave, Karen. I promise we'll be gentle. You're listening to Face Your Fierce. I'm Meg Murphy. I'm Eleni e. Lee. In this podcast, we bring you stories of trailblazing women who are living their lives outside the lines. Let's go back to those natural disasters Karen was talking about. She survived a tornado, a hurricane, a flood, but the story goes back further than those incidents. It goes all the way back to when Karen was just a baby.
0: So my very first memory as a kid is of being in the basement of my family's house with rain like pounding against the windows and the sky was green, you know, there were like flashes of lightning. And um, But feeling really safe, like feeling safe with my parents and safe in the basement. And I, I told my mother about it later. And she's like, oh, you couldn't possibly remember that. You were six months old. It was a tornado. And I don't know. It's clear as day to me. You know, Virginia Woolf, the writer, once said, it's our earliest memory that shapes the theme of our life.
1: So, huh, a tornado. <laughs> So take me to one of those occasions, like um, were these accidental things or were you putting yourself in the line of fire? So I'm
0: thinking about with the getting lost at sea, I was in the Southern Caribbean. And you went out on
1: a dive trip.
0: Mm-hmm. Went out on a dive trip. Describe that day. Oh, well, we were at the wedding party before somebody's wedding. So we were on their pre honeymoon before their wedding. And we were out on a, you know, we'd been sailing and we decided to go diving one day. Boy, it was choppy water. There'd been a storm the day before. And so things were moving fast and the ocean was kind of choppy. And I was really nervous because I wasn't a really experienced diver. But they, you know, they were telling me it would be safe. Just come along. They did this drift dive, which is the outside of a reef instead of the inside of a reef. So you're in the flow of the ocean instead of a protected place. And when I was, I had this you know, feeling like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I know I've always had extraordinary experiences when I get past my fear and do things. So I kind of made myself get in the water, but I couldn't even get down. I couldn't, I somehow couldn't even like flip myself to swim downwards, you know, like there was everything in me was resisting going. Um, But it was an amazing, once I got down into the flow of the current, it was, it was incredible that it was like ripping current. It was flying past the reef. And I I ended up separated from everybody and feeling pretty scared. But I saw this turtle, I felt like like Dora the Explorer, you know, like (laughs) I ended up following a turtle around along the reef, all of us came up out of the water, all six of us and the boat was actually just on the horizon and then out of view. And we were quickly being swept past the last uh, land before open sea and the sun was going down and we were cold and we had no air left in our tanks. So we had to decide like, do we drop everything right now and swim as fast as we could and see if we could make the shore where that was all rocky and full of waves, or do we just float? You know, so we opted to float and it, it was the most, it, okay. To me, it felt like a week. It was only an hour, but that was like, an hour of floating, not knowing how we were going to survive the night. What did you think about in that time? Wow. I thought the people that I loved were right at the forefront of my mind. I just kept sending them. I love you messages. And the other thing was there were, it's interesting. There were two women in the group and four men that were floating and I'd say the men were having the hardest time Um, the other women and I decided to just lock eyes and we just said we are going to stay connected we are going to keep this group together and we just stayed I'd never felt so bonded to another person before and eventually it was quite a miracle we ended up getting rescued by a retired British couple who'd been living on a boat
1: they yeah have you stayed in touch with those people with whom you locked eyes yeah
0: intermittently yes but there's like i know that whenever we connect there's just a instant bond what
2: would you say uncertainty does to people you couldn't have known then that it would only be an hour when you're not
0: sure what's going to happen there's um you can either go into like this fear right like getting stuck and spinning or there can also be this sense of expansiveness um where it's like i am going to be in and experience and feel every moment of this, I think I had a combination of the two at that moment, <laughs> right? But it sure did inform me moving forward that whenever possible, I wanted to step into expansion versus constriction.
1: No, yeah. you can step into that. But that voice that you said you had before you jumped in the water that was like, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, and you pushed past it, were you mad at yourself for that? If like, that was your protective voice telling you not to do this? Or, or are you happy now that you're okay that you did it anyway?
0: Two things. Um, one is I've worked really hard at my level of discernment so that I'm more aware of when there's actual fear going on or that I, that I need to overcome versus there's a scenario out there that really doesn't look like a wise thing to go into. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when you can tell those things, when you can like have some trust in yourself that you're like, I'm going to take care of myself. This is important. I'm seeing a pattern out here that doesn't look right versus here's, here's an opportunity for me to grow Mm -hmm. big difference. So there's that, that knowing that difference. And then after all those years of wondering if I was just careless, I actually went to a, a writing workshop with a mentor. And I was telling this story about all these disasters. And someone said to me, the elements have had to get really loud to get your attention. Wow. And I, I had like my entire body felt like it expanded at that moment. Like it made sense of my life in a way that I'd never, it was a perspective I'd never put on my life. Hmm.
1: Does, do the elements need to get as loud now or do you listen earlier? I haven't had any disasters since then. <laughs> Maybe you're listening earlier.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I realize I've been given a really big gift at seeing nature's destructive patterns when we get out of alignment with them and conversely how we can be more in alignment with their nourishing life-giving patterns and that we can be conscious about how we design with the elements. Like nature is a beautiful teacher for us about being in a destructive cycle or a productive nourishing cycle.
1: How have you
0: designed your life? Very much in alignment with my values. I used to have kind of a bigger, more high maintenance place to live. And I downsized to like a little, I have a little cottage in the city and I have a little farm outside so I can walk out and get really healthy vegetables every day in the summer and eat fresh food. And it's like good. I don't like going to the gym at all. I hate it, but I love going outside and digging in the dirt and moving plants around and like being fully engaged. So like I get my exercise, my nourishment, I leave a low footprint instead of food being shipped 1500 miles, which is the average food is shipped to grocery stores here. I'm getting some, you know, some of my food right outside my door. Yeah. And then designing my work around what I feel really good about bringing to other people.
2: Mm -hmm. And what are your top three values? My top three? Yes.
0: Wow, it's really interesting when you say three because it brings up the value of that's in permaculture, which is something I've studied, um, which is like a whole systems design science, like how we design healthy human habitats. And I feel like mine are so in alignment with that. It's um, care for each other, care for the earth and fair share. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: How, how did you know they were yours? Because whenever things, you know, go bump in the night, it's usually because we're not living in alignment to our own values. So maybe we thought we were, or maybe we were living in alignment with other people's values. How did you know these were yours? Because I've tried a lot of different things in
0: my life. Like, <laughs> I worked at corporations for a little while. I worked in universities for a little while. I tried. Um, I feel like relationships are often where we um, we learn the most.
1: Karen left the corporate world and went to work for herself as a freelance writer. But she quickly realized she was just as stressed out by the pressure she was putting on herself as she had been when she was working for someone else. She was stressed about money, about finding the right relationship, and she realized she was burning out. So she went to a life coach who asked her this question.
0: How long can you do nothing?
1: Wow.
0: And I, I was like, uh, maybe two or three months. <laughs> and she said, honey, I'm thinking four to six. You're so wound up and so attuned to what everyone else wants for you. I want you to wake up in the morning and really discern whether you want coffee or you actually want tea.
1: So what did that four to six months of nothing, what did nothing look like? Look like, <gasps> whoa,
0: well, I'd say I lasted two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're not good at nothing.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> but what what she said, and t- what she said was, "I want you to do nothing until you really hear what calls." I was living in Maine at the time, and I I didn't know many people there. I learned to, I did learn to knit. I gave myself that permission, like I was like, "This isn't a really steep. I'm just gonna knit simple things." So. I spent a couple months where I'd be like, tea or coffee? (laughs) (laughs) Which book do I want to read? Which yarn do I want to feel in my fingers? When I go for a walk today, which way does my body want to go? It was really, really, really simple. And it profoundly changed the course of my life. Because after a couple months, I settled in enough that I, I started to think, oh, there's something that's calling me. I need to go do it. I need to go do it. And that's actually when I studied, I decided to take a permaculture design course. So I kind of packed up my car and went to New Mexico for a couple months and studied permaculture on a buffalo ranch And it just, it changed everything about how I see the world and think. What is permaculture? Well, it was created by a couple of Australians in the 70s who said, what in the world are we going to do when the world either very quickly or slowly starts running out of oil? And they said, look, the natural world knows how to create a sustaining system. It's just perpetually life-generating, right? What can we learn about how to design our human world from that? So they started really deeply studying nature's patterns and just came up with a very simple whole systems design science about how you create systems that don't deplete energy very quickly.
1: So when you were walking on the dirt roads in Maine and you were feeling the yarn and choosing which coffee or tea, what was it that made you hear? What called you? What What did you hear? What did you learn about yourself? What was quiet enough in your life that you could hear that that was the next thing? What was that discovery?
0: You know, I didn't know the actual science of it. And I didn't know that there in a way their hidden agenda is to return people to being hunters and gatherers again, Mm -hmm. instead of people who rely on monocrops. You know, what I did know was that I hadn't figured out a way to have my energy in balance. And I didn't like the way I saw the world heading. And I thought, I could go learn something. There's something for me here to learn. And it's the thing that is illuminated the most brightly in my imagination right now. So I'm going to go follow that.
2: Right. And it's because you alluded to kind of the the hamster wheel you had before. And then when you had your own business, the hamster wheel got recreated. Yes, And so when we talk about coloring outside the lines, it's that, Not everyone would have stopped and listened and paused. So what would you say is the one gift of coloring outside the lines? And is there a cost to coloring outside the lines? Mm. I don't know if people, how people refer to
0: it as soul or spirit or um, there's an awakening and an aliveness, and like this expansive feeling when you can follow what feels really true without worrying about what other people are going to think. The cost is that I think it takes sometimes more time and patience to find your own way. When you forge your own path, It just takes more time and willingness to risk. And, um, but of course that comes with great reward, reward too. And the thing like I didn't know is there's, there are a lot of people who've also followed paths, you know, like when you can find mentors, when you can find people who've done it before you, it's, you're not so alone, right? There's Mm -hmm. always people.
1: I want to take you back to your first memory again. So you're six months old. The storm is happening outside, but you were safe inside your house with the storm going around you, safe with your family. And you've had lots of these disasters happen around you. And although it wasn't a disaster while you were in Maine, it wasn't a natural disaster. There was a tornado happening around you and in your life.
2: Mm -hmm. I think it's
1: so interesting that a real disaster can be less scary than the feeling of losing yourself. Yes. I felt far
0: less at risk with natural world disasters than, you know, because it's something I wasn't that in control of. It's like, well, if this is my destiny, if fate's going to like, if it's my time to go, it's going to be my time to go. Mm -hmm. There's not much control I have over that, but I have a lot of control Mm -hmm. over how I, shape my life Mm. right and the decisions and choices i make and i but i think taking responsibility for those choices is often what's really a difficult step to
2: it's difficult to do that so what's what's next for you what are you working on (laughs) I am so
0: excited about the things I have coming up. Well, I have two books I'm working on. Um, One is about the elements and like how we can pay attention, like this notion of having energetic literacy. That's what I keep thinking of it. Like if we could have energetic literacy, we could be so much more aware of what works for us and what doesn't and how we shape a, a better life and world realized i ended up meeting so many different people who shaped how i think so i'm writing a whole a book about like accidental spirituality about like how people shaped my life through these brief encounters out in the world i'm so excited i just launched my new website um, yay yay <laughs> So I'm working one-on-one with people, coaching and mentoring, and I'm oh, I'm doing a primal leadership retreat in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness this summer, so taking women out into the woods um, to work on instinct and intuition.
1: Yeah. Well, you've I got know. all kinds of free time then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Just, know, and it all energizes me. It's yeah. Like, it feels so good, and I'm so glad I was so patient with myself to make it feel right.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Face Your Fierce, sponsored by Inner Outer Wealth and Meg Murphy Productions. We've got more about Karen up on our website. Click the show notes below, and it'll take you straight there. And of course, you can find her on our own website at karen-olson.com. Olson, You just faced your big fear. (laughs) Thank you for making it so fun.